Welcome to Heart of the Home, a podcast exploring the personal histories that inspire our surroundings, candid conversations about the stories behind the pretty pictures, tales of design and renovations gone wrong and right, because a home isn't just a structure filled with themes, it's the people who live there. So join me as we explore the unique stories that help each of us find our way home. Hi, Christy. I'm so happy that you're here again. Yes. I love chatting with you. Christy is my best friend. She is also our real estate expert at Stag Design. And you have been a real estate agent in Utah for 14 years. 14 years. Is that right? I feel really old. Yes. And Christy is extremely qualified. Everyone who meets you just loves you. You're the best. That's really kind. You (laughs) had to say that because you're my my best friend and biggest cheerleader. I would say that anyway. But uh, Christy, let's talk about how bonkers it is for people trying to buy a house right now. I feel so bad for all buyers right now. It's, It's really the most brutal market for a buyer that I've ever seen in my career. It's really... It's so competitive. There's just such a shortage of inventory. And so since there's no supply, you know, you have 20 buyers, 30 buyers for one property. And it's it's horrible. We talked in our last episode, it was all about selling your house. And we were saying you really should not sell your house unless you have a home already lined up. Right. Where do you start looking for a house? Because I feel like once it hits the market, it becomes a feeding frenzy. Yes, it does. So, I mean, there's definitely things people are trying to think outside of the box instead of just like waiting for a property to hit the MLS. So there are things that you can do. It's definitely hard. Something that I've done for clients, if I know they want to live in a certain area or a certain neighborhood, I've printed a letter out and said, I have a pre-qualified buyer who is ready to purchase in in your neighborhood. Are you interested in selling? So I did that last year for uh, a client of mine and we had two bites from it. And one that was really close. It was a great house. She loved it. And then the seller just wanted a little too much. Now this was eight months ago. So it was it's a little different, but I mean, I, I have seen it work before. Something else that I just did, I was successful with last week is that I texted, again, I had a client looking in a certain neighborhood. I texted about three friends that I knew in the neighborhood and just like, hey, do you happen to know of anyone in your area who's thinking of selling? We're, we're pre-qualified up to, to this amount, they're looking for this much square footage, this bedroom count, this bathroom. What do you think? And I had one of my friends text me back and she's like, you know, I think my neighbor two houses back may be interested. She didn't know. It was like I had heard it. You know, she'd heard it. She wasn't sure. She kind of knew him, not really, didn't like have his phone number. So she went and knocked on his door three times, tracked him down. That's a good friend. I know. A really good friend. Knocked his door three times, got his number, and you know what? Reached out to him, and he was like, I was thinking of renting for the right price we would sell. And I was like, well, what about this price? And he's like, okay. Well, buyer came. They loved it. And we 
we went under contract that way. That was a miracle. I had another one. I don't know if I told you this story, but I was at the gym, one of my like fitness classes and some girls that I know at the gym, like morely just like my gym friends, we were talking about how crazy the market is. And like, yeah, we have this friend who's been renting. She's been looking for these two floor plans. The builder's not building anymore. We can't find it. And then later that day, I had one of my daughter's friends coming over and the mom was like, we're moving out of state. And I had been in their home before. I was like, your home, it's this floor plan, right? I was like, oh my gosh, I was at the gym with some friends there and they said their friend was looking to buy your floor plan. Oh my gosh. They came through it. They, they loved it. They took it. Done. Done. With you, it's you, you know, Jen, you canvassed your neighborhood. Do you know of anyone who's looking to sell? We want to stay in the neighborhood. And so you really, I think just kind of that word of mouth or just kind of putting feelers out there, it really, really, it can it really helps. Yes, it does. Okay. So say though that you do end up really wanting a house that goes on the market. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for somebody who is interested in buying a house and is just not having any luck with offers? Okay. I would first say as a buyer, you probably need to lower your price range, which is really difficult because you have a certain house in your mind and a certain property, what you thought you could get, you know, five months ago, and it's probably gone. What you could get you know, because of prices, what you could have uh, afforded. Yes. Back then. And so I would recommend, you know, if you're, if your home is priced at say 500,000 and you are qualified up to 500,000, most buyers usually are wanting to look at 500,000, right? Cause that's what they qualify for. We can get it. Well, in this market, homes are going, if it's listed for 500,000, it's probably going thirty to sixty thousand dollars over list, and that's just—it's really what's happening. That's just the reality of it. So, if you're qualified for five hundred thousand, you should not be looking at a five hundred thousand dollar house, which is so <laughs> sad. But you just can't because you will not compete with that buyer pool for those homes. So, what you need to do is probably lower your price to four fifty. For 440, you know, for maybe 460. But if you go lower and then you have more leverage to compete in with that, with that buyer pool in that price range. What are the ways that you can sweeten your offer? If you're like, this okay. is my house, this is the house I want. Yes. I know that it's a hot house. There's a bunch of people mm-hmm. going after it. What are the things that you can do to sweeten your deal? Oh, it's so hard because everyone is sweetening their offer right now, right? Everyone wants to try to get a house just because there's just so little inventory. So everyone's doing that. So what's hard is in our Utah market, our real estate purchase contract, it favors the buyer. It gives more protection to a buyer versus a seller, which is really a good thing because the average person walking through a home is not going to know hey, this furnace is in disrepair or this AC unit only has two years of life left. Or the, the electrical is this, the foundation is this. And so you have um, a protection 
as a buyer that you can do a due diligence and make sure, you know, you can have a home inspector come out and test these things for you that you wouldn't see with your, you know, your normal eyes. Well, what buyers are doing is they're waiving a lot of these protections in a in the contract because they want to get the home. So they're waiving their due diligence condition because they want to say, you know, we don't care. We will take it as is. I've talked to several agents about this because you kind of, I, I don't know. It's, it's so hard ethically because as an agent, I'm here to represent you and your best interest. So I would never under normal circumstances tell a buyer, Hey, you know what? You need to waive your due diligence. You need to waive your appraisal and your financing. Like it, it's wrong. I hate it because it puts a buyer at such risk. You need to have your money go hard upon yes. acceptance. Oh, I mean, yeah, we'll, get, we'll talk about that. Yeah, there's just, it, it puts a buyer at such, like in jeopardy. It's just at complete risk. So you know what? There could be something come up on the inspection and now you're, you're just not protected because you've already waived it. So in a normal, like I just hate encouraging buyers to do these things. However, when I have you coming to me or another client saying, Christy, we want this house. This is we, the house. This is the house. I want it. You need to help me get this. So then it's like, oh my goodness. Well, you're most likely going to have to waive your due diligence if you want that because everyone else is sweetening their offer and there's 20 of them. So even to get into the like pool of like, oh, they're choosing between like the top three, like that's what you're going to have to do. So waiving due diligence, that's hard one. I'd probably put that towards like, if you have an, a newer home, you know, then it's not so much of a risk to waive that due diligence. But if it's, gosh, if the home's 50 years old, 75 years old, that would be a hard one for me to say, just waive completely. Um, you mentioned and I'm seeing this all over the place now, earnest money, non-refundable upon acceptance is huge. So, you know, before you can put earnest money down and have it be refundable based upon, you know, your due diligence, your financing, your appraisal, there's all these conditions that you have for your protection. But now 100% of the offers that I've gone under contract with, either as a seller or a buyer, all had non-refundable earnest money. And all of them. crazy amounts of earnest yes. money. I mean, yes. like more than what is standard, right? Yeah, more than the standard. That was in your higher price point. I mean, we saw an extremely high earnest money. Typical earnest money amount in Utah is about 1% of the, the purchase price. And so if you have a $500,000 home, I just keep referencing that because that's just for a point of reference, but then it would be a 5,000 earnest money. Now people are raising the earnest money and then having a portion of it be non-refundable. So let's say for that $500,000 home, 5,000 of it would be non-refundable upon acceptance. And then you could have a total of $15,000 earnest money that would just be, would go hard after, you know, your normal conditions, but 5,000 non-refundable upon acceptance. I've written a few offers like that where you have a certain amount that's non-refundable upon acceptance and then a little bit that's protected as you go through your conditions or as you, you, know, you do your due diligence and the appraisal. What about the lease back option? Yes, that really helps um, 
before I get to that one, let me mention something else about appraisal. So this is actually a really big thing. And this is again, how I'm seeing people get buyers getting their offers accepted is to waive the appraisal. Now, why that's so big is in this market where things are selling for so much above like the list price, there's not a lot of comparables right now to support that higher price. So if you have a home, it's 500,000, you get an offer probably at 540, right? But all the comparables are around 5, 510, 515. So if it appraises for 520, what a seller doesn't want is then for the buyer to come back to them and be like, hey, Mr. Seller, your home only appraised for 520. And so I want to give you 520, not the 540. And the seller's like, no, 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 no. I had all these other offers who were willing to pay that. But, you know, they don't they don't want to deal with that. So it's huge as a buyer if you can waive your appraisal. Now, in order to do that, you have to be able to have cash for the difference. So that's why I'd recommend going to a lower price point because not only do you have to have money to go up on your offer price, but then you also have money, you have to have money in hand for if it doesn't appraise. <laughs> I know it's really that bad. It's really that bad. But yeah, you just need to plan on extra money if it if it doesn't appraise. Now, it's my job as an agent and as the like if I'm either the buyer's agent or the listing agent to try to help that appraisal come in, you know, to support like if we had to get your home appraised, Jen, this is what I did for another seller. I I'd respectfully tell, you know, the appraiser that comes in, I I write a letter and say, here is we had all, I print out copies of the, the offers received. And I said, here's our, our case for why we feel like the value of this home is there. You know, market value is what a willing seller is a, is able to, wants to sell to a willing buyer. So there can be no duress. And if you have a willing buyer, I mean, that, that's the thing what's hard in this market is you have willing buyers that are like, people are like, oh, you're overpaying. People are, buyers are overpaying. So you know what? You have so many willing buyers who are willing to pay that price. And so it's, so what's overpaying? So what's overpaying? Exactly. There's really, if the market is demanding that and there's enough people wanting that and that are willing to do it, then that, that does become the new, the new price. Wow. So anyway, yeah. So making sure you have money, waiving the appraisal or having money, if you have to waive the appraisal and then Yes, um, what you said about lease back. A lot of times sellers might need a few days if you know there's a time period between their home is finished or like you if you wanted to do renovations. So they'd like a just a more leisurely time to move out of the home. So yeah, that if you can offer that back to them, that's that's a really big thing and for no cost. Yeah. Most, I mean, what we're seeing now is a no cost lease back utilities. The seller would still cover, but everything else it would be on the, the new buyer. The Heart of the Home continues in just a moment. Hey everyone, just letting you know about our accessories collection now on Stag Design Shop. It's growing from candlesticks to rugs to luxurious throws. These items will elevate your home and make great companions to our artwork, pillows, and existing accessories. You can view the new collection for yourself at stagdesignshop.com. 
That's stag with two G's. What about cash? So many buyers are coming in with cash. How are they doing that? And is that possible for the average buyer? You know, it's, I want to say now in our market, it was cash represented 17%. And then I think it jumped up to 20 to 25% last month. So it is, it's now maybe close to one in four. So like one in between one and four, one in five is, is cash. So you still, I mean, people are getting discouraged. Like, oh, I have a financed offer. You know, you, it's still not the majority cash offer. It's still majority is a financed offer. So you just want to make sure as a financed offer that you have, you show a good amount of your down payment. You know, if you have a good chunk down, like 20%, 15%, 25%, like that really does help a strong offer, you know, to have more of a down. So cash don't feel is, like it has to yeah, be Yeah, don't feel like it has to be cash. Don't like just write yourself out of the market because you don't have cash. However, how people are doing it with cash is I'm seeing, so in a lower price point, I just had a townhome that sold and it was to a young couple, but their dad was paying yeah. cash for it. Um, you're having in Utah, we're seeing so many sellers come from out of state. And so you have, I mean, Jen, just your house is a perfect example. Five of our offers were from out of state buyers. buyers. We had two or three from California, one from New York, one from Pennsylvania. I mean, so it's all over the country. Yeah. People are coming here. And then if you're, if you're from these higher priced markets and you come to Utah and what seems high priced to us now is like, this is nothing. Like we, I had several buyers on your home and like, this is all, it's all relative to us because we're coming from California, from Palo Alto. And this price means like we could get a small condo for what we're going (laughs) to get your beautiful home for, you know, or we're coming from Manhattan and you know, this means, this means this price not like it means nothing to them, but it's all relative. Right. And so, and then they're coming from these, these higher price states. They have great equity or in your buyer pool, it was older, you know, like retired. Right. You know, they just had cash from savings, but we also, I do want to mention, we received basically like a stack of love letters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes from buyers. I know the love letters and is this common for this to happen and tell me okay. about these letters that you're seeing and do you think they're helpful I'm going to leave my opinion out okay. of it for a minute do you think they're helpful I don't I think they're I, I I don't think there are and they're starting to become some ethical issues like I just read an article that was published um, by the National Association Association of Realtors almost discouraging the love letters because it could, um, it can maybe come back to the seller as discrimination. Like if you knew something about that family or that buyer and you chose them because of who or what they weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very gray area with the love letters. Before it was, it was, it wasn't as big of a deal. And I would definitely encourage my buyers to do. I have, you know, like tell the seller a little bit about your yourselves and why you love the home. I would focus, listen, if you're going to do a love letter, I'd focus more on the house, 
on their house, not on yourselves. Because when people do the love letter to the seller and it's a picture of them and their family and their dogs and Almost what they like to do. Almost every letter that we got had pictures. Yes, what they like to do and why this. Then it, again, it can become part of that, ooh. I mean, I wonder if we're going to see more regulations against the letters now. Interesting. As things, yeah, just as as things get more competitive and that there could be maybe more cases for discrimination with these love letters. So if you have to do one, I'd focus on the seller, not on you as a buyer. Not like, oh, look at us. We're so great. We've done this. No, just like have it be on why you love their house because it is important to a seller, I think, to know whoever comes into your house is going to love it the way you did and care for it the way you did. But so I would focus on that if you need to do the love letter. But honestly, it's still, and I tell this to my sellers and I hope, and I feel like you, John probably got this more than you because you like those love letters and it was great, but it's a business decision. This is like one of your, most people's biggest financial investments of their lives. And so it, it doesn't come down to who you think is no who's gonna love the, the money the talks the money right? talks, yeah and it, it had and to come down to the best offer and, yep. and honestly the, here's the thing about the letters is that on one hand it was kind of nice to know who, who it was that was interested in our house mm-hmm. but it also was very hard it was it it was painful almost yeah. because I felt like it was I didn't want it to be personal, mm-hmm. right? Because I couldn't, it was like hard to read all these people's stories right. about like, oh, we and love do your you house. you remember and- what I did as you're like, <laughs> as you're like, we had a meeting to review the 10 offers. And as your agent, I said, I will, I will give you these letters that I will print. I, you know, I printed the letters off and I said, I will give these to you, but we're not focused. I mean, you can have these if you want later on, like if you want to look at them, but I'm not spending any time on these letters we're not, you know, this is not going to affect right wh- wh- who you go with. Like you can, I'll print these for you, Jen. And I'm sure it feels so nice as a it seller actually, to go it through was it. Hard. It was hard to but, read. It was hard to read them. It really yeah. was because it felt like I felt so bad for them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, some of them, there was one in particular that it ended up being our second place offer and I loved them. <laughs> like I wanted them to have my no. house, but it, the people whose offer we ended up accepting didn't write a letter. Right. And so mm-hmm. at the time when I was reviewing offers, I didn't know anything about them. Right. Something that you did that I think was really, really helpful that I would absolutely suggest is that you pre-screened all of the people and you mm. had like a punch list of like, okay, here's this offer. They're offering this, they're offering this, they're offering this, they're offering this. Okay. And then you ranked them for us and you said, okay, you've received these 10 offers. Here's my number one. Here's my number two. This is the backup. This is backup number three. And, and the rest mm-hmm. I think aren't, aren't competitive. And well, so that well, I don't want to say that easier. I would rank offers because it's hard as an agent. I can never tell you what offer to go with. I mean, for yours, what made it so nice is that there was a clear, clear winner, like there a complete one. winner, one winner. Right. That was so like, but you, I mean, not rank, but you kind of gave us the pros and cons pros, of yes. each offer. And you it's said, nice to have a spreadsheet and like yes. that outline. Here's the term. So nothing about, 
oh, they're, they're they'd be a wonderful buyer. It's complete terms like here's the earnest money amount. Oh yeah, no, it didn't, here it didn't have anything the, to do with them personally. Yeah, here's your deadlines. Yeah, here is the purchase price. Here's if it's financed or cash, like like all those things. And I something I would recommend to buyers is you want to present your offer to the listing agent that way. So if I'm helping a buyer on a home, I have a very clear, like here's the subject line here or for the email. Here's the, our offer. Here's the address. And then to the email to the listing agent, I say, this is why here are bullet points of our offer. Here's the purchase price. Here's the earnest money, non-refundable. We're waiving this, this, like make it so clear as a buyer to present your offer to the seller because that helps so much. Also, if you have an agent like that, you know, there were several Jen who were really good at communicating with me and just to know like, Hey, my people really want it. They're willing to pay this. No one ever came close to the offer we ended up getting, but it's just nice to know like, okay, who's communicating with me? Who's texting? With, who's serious? Who's serious? Um, Yes, that's that's just it's really helpful because you want to work with someone that you know you know is going to follow through and it's going to be easy to reach. And there, I I will say too, and I'm truly not just saying this because you are my best friend, but having, I mean, John's an attorney, and we have a we've done a lot of real estate deals, right? Like John could have totally drafted a contract, figured this out. We could have tried to sell it ourselves. But having someone in this market who was well-versed, who had good relationships with other agents, who knew exactly what we should be doing, how we should be doing it, who had sound advice for both buying our house and selling our current house, it was invaluable. Like we both, the whole time we kept saying, I am so grateful Christy's helping us with this because it was so much. You know, I think this is the buy side. I think people don't realize sometimes that as a buyer, you do not pay for your agent. So sometimes buyers are trying to do this and navigate this on their own. And it's like, why? The seller pays for the buyer's agent. And that can be a tricky thing for sellers to understand too. But as a buyer, take advantage of using an agent because it's it's a free service to you. And it really makes a difference. It's so much easier for me to work with if I'm a listing agent with a buyer's agent rather than, you know, a buyer directly where they don't know what they're doing. They don't know like when their deadlines are, what they're like, it just makes it so much more seamless if I am working, especially in this market now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, before I would see more unrepresented buyers, but I haven't seen any recently because you should have representation in this. Like that's the only way you're going to get I think an offer considered too. Any other advice for somebody that's out in the middle of the shark infested waters trying to find oh, a man. house? Gosh, just, just be patient too. Be patient, lower expectations, which is so sad, but yeah, maybe go a little bit lower than what you, you thought. Cause if you, I think that's really the biggest hurdle on what most people are like banging their heads against the wall is they're trying to be competitive in a price range where they could have been a few months ago and now with the way prices are trending and where things are going, it's just, you just have to lower a little bit what you thought or you could rent 
you know, real estate is cyclical. Real estate is cyclical. The market will go up and go down. Usually that varies like about every seven to 10 years. You'll have, you know, granted in 2007, 2008, it was such an extreme, like it was very high and then it went extremely low and now we're back up, but it hasn't, I mean, since 2012, it's gone up and up and up and up. And I mean, this is a whole crystal ball thing. I wish we could know where the market was going, but honestly, last year, I thought we, I mean, we are due for a correction. So just a, I mean, I don't think we're going to ever see that huge pendulum swing like we did in 0708, but I mean, just a little bit dip in values. And when COVID hit, my first gut reaction was like, here it is. This will be the this thing that the will correct the mark that, that will correct the market. And it was so strange. It was really for about, I want to say six to eight weeks. It was like someone hit the pause button. So middle of March till about end of April, it was like, it was just like paused. Like it just, nothing happened. It just kind of paused. And then after that, it like came roaring back. And I wasn't sure, you know, I thought the pause, I thought it would, then it would go down. No, it just came, it had the opposite effect, which was wild. I don't think anyone, I mean, maybe other economists and experts were predicting that. I don't think most people were though that it would come roaring back and be even stronger and crazier than before. And, you know, in the summer you could see, okay, there's pent up demand because anyone who's looking to buy in the spring ended up not buying. So now you can see like all those buyers like are buying in summer, but to have this even continue now, we're going on almost a year of this and it's really been accelerated the last four months specifically, I would say since January. So I don't know, but it's going to have like this, the lack of inventory, like as, as home builders catch up and there's more things that come on the market, like it's going, it will shift. But I mean, from what I'm seeing, most people are predicting like historically real estate is always stronger in the summer. So, and there could be more inventory with more people moving like in the summer, but I just don't think it's going away anytime maybe towards the end of the year, it could slow a bit, but so find somewhere to rent. We could do a whole episode on trying to find somewhere oh, to rent right and now. That's because the other thing, rentals are really hard here. Yeah. Rentals prices are, are crazy. Up. Yeah. There's a, a shortage of inventory with that too. Okay. So Christy, you can find out more information about her on our website, stagdesign.com in the about section. Yes. There's a little profile on her, but where can yeah. people find you? My, you can email me just, and my contact information, my phone number is just all on your, your webpage. Yeah. So. And which, um, real estate company are you with? with equity real estate. Okay. South Valley in, yeah. In Utah. County. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. We should do this more often. Yes, I'd love to. Okay. Fun. See ya. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast, and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.